Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. We're going to move from walking to climbing. And when I say climbing, I mean kind of climbing to the very top of the world. I've been looking so forward to this interview. I got uh, a copy of this book a couple of weeks ago called My Journey to the Top of the World. And it is Sarah Kumalo and the life lessons I learned along the way. And there's a picture of Sarah with this um, Everest in the background. And I remember looking at this and thinking to myself, what does it take? I mean, what's it take? You know, we have... Wow, we have so many interesting people who really push all sorts of boundaries. They swim in cold water and they run and they ski and they row and they push themselves. And we are always asked the question, what does it take? Because such a huge challenge, one of the greatest challenges is to be diagnosed and to be diagnosed with cancer is this journey. And so we hope that when we interview these people, you're able to extract incredible insights because let me tell you that um, Sarah has overcome so much and to be the first black African woman to summit um, Everest and to do it in such an incredible way and to be doing it in a way where she's continually giving back is hugely inspiring. So I'd like to welcome Sarah Kumana onto the show. Sarah, welcome and thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you so much, Nikki. Thank you for having me. It's um, my honor to be with you this afternoon. Wow. You know, you heard my introduction and I thought to myself, like, how do I start with Sarah? And I just want to do before I even go into any of your history is just why? The answer really is why not? You oh, said, I love that. You asked and said, um, how do you start? I think it's just having the courage to do something. Um, staying in our comfort zone will have the same results we've always had. We won't see how much we can do. And, and for me, climbing has helped me step out of the comfort zone and make a difference one step at a time. Uh, just uh, as your guest, uh, the pre- your previous guest was indicating. Mm. So, Sarah, I mean, what an interesting life. You've literally moved around the African continent. I mean, uh, you were born in Zambia. Um, you you lived in Zaire. Um, you've moved around. You landed up in South Africa. And um, you are of Rwandan heritage, as I said, Eastern, Central and Southern Africa. Um, you're a mom of two boys. You hold a Guinness World Record and, 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 and this incredible purpose that you have and the striving to push yourself, but to give back. So let's go back in time. You know, let's go back to, um, the, the young girl, you know, one of seven daughters, um, your mom bringing you up. But then also there was, you know, there was a, you, I think when you grew up, you thought that your grandparents, they, they were, you thought they were your grandparents and they weren't. And then you, you, you were, your mother turned out, you thought, was it, you thought that your auntie was your mother? Maybe expand on this because these are, these are pivotal moments, right? Yes, it is indeed. So, so my mother was a single mother. Um, she was a daughter of, of a pastor, a missionary. Um, so having, a child out of wedlock, I guess at the time was, was a little bit of a taboo. So sure, she yeah. sent myself and my older sister to my grandparents and they raised us as, uh, 
uh, as their children. We called them mama and papa, like my uncles and aunties called them. And there was an auntie who used to come from Lusaka and bring us toys and who turned out to be my mother, which I discovered when I was 13. I think it's it's um, a story of many um, African children, in my opinion, that that grow up with grandparents. Um, mm-hmm. I think discovering that she was my, uh, my mother, initially I was a little bit angry with her. I still, uh, to this day, most of the time, call her by her name. I obviously call Adba, which is a sign of respect because that's what her brothers and sisters called her. Um, but uh, we good friends, and I understand where she was coming from. Um, it's also a journey in, its, in itself, if you yeah. like. Yeah, yeah. I mean, as I said, these are these are pivotal moments. Um, but I, I have heard you say that your your mother said um, taught you that everything was possible. Was that your mother or your grandmother my- who taught you that every everything is possible? Yes, that was my mother. So, so she is, she's still alive. She is very uh, much of a go-getter, um, yeah. as a parent in a, in a neighborhood that was all male and very much, uh, patriarchal, uh, for the lack of a better word. She had to do, uh, what men needed to do from a household and what mothers needed to do from a household perspective. And many times there will be people that would say, no, Helen, try for a boy. I mean, we are seven because she was trying to get a boy. Oh, wow. <laughs> and she she gave birth six times. Two of my sisters are twins. And she decided that she was going to turn it around. Although at the time I didn't understand what she was doing. But she would always say the sky is the limit. You can do anything and never let anyone tell you that you are not enough. Obviously, this was from her experience. And and we just took it as it's her pushing us. I mean, we did everything. We we worked in her shops. We uh, built bricks. We pulled wheelbarrows. And, and it it was fun for me because I was a tomboy. Unlike for some of my sisters who were very <laughs> girlish, let's do our hairs. Yes. They hated it. Um, but I look at it very fondly today because I know it's made me who I am. It doesn't matter what you throw at me. I know I will come back if I just mm. keep stepping. Well, certainly as we explore your story and the listeners will get to really see um, that you embody that, that no matter what life throws at you, you just keep moving through it and not just moving through it. I mean, to a shining light and, um, and a light of inspiration and giving back. Uh, but we, I don't want to, I don't want to, uh, I don't want to, you know, get there too quickly because, you know, having the, Having coming to South Africa, you you were you got married. You have two children, and you've worked in corporate. So you've worked in finance, um, and 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 growing up with all these sisters and a mother, and so not a lot of male energy, um, in your family. How do you think that that shaped you, and how do you think that impacted you going into this corporate financial space? Yeah, I think it it helped me um, get confidence in myself. Um, I grew up a little bit of an introvert, but I inside knew that nobody can be better at being me than myself. Um, mm. If somebody else can do it, I definitely can too, um, you know, or I'll try. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I grew up with my mother, my grandmother, who is strong women, but my grandfather respected them as equals. Uh That also um, was 
was great to watch because he made, we knew he was the head of the house, uh, but a lot of decisions, he made them with my mother and my grandmother. Uh, he was very consultative and, and which, which I absolutely loved, which is why when I walked into any office, I didn't see my male counterparts, whether they were white or black, as more capable than I was. They may know more at the point that I meet them, but I, I, I'm curious enough to understand how they do it so that I can do it myself and put a spin on me within the, the environment or the process that we're working on. That's kept me curious, um, you know, Nikki. <laughs> I love what you've said, um, Sarah, because you know, to come in with that approach, as you say, to be curious, to learn, to not come with any preconceived ideas yeah. um, of of how other people are and who you are in that yeah. space. As you've said, no one can be me better than myself is it's a wonderful thing. Do you think that kind of curiosity is something that can be honed? I mean, are you with your children? Are you trying to, how, how does one inject curiosity? I mean, children are naturally curious, but we're talking about curious on a, on another level. How, how, how does one foster something like that? I think it's, it's, first of all, living by example. One of the challenging things that I have found as a mother is that you know, they have their own mindsets and they have their own plans. Mm. It's allowing them to go through their own failures, but knowing that you will be there and it's okay. You know, it's just not okay not to learn from those challenges. Uh-huh. Um, and it's okay to experience them, pick yourself up, using use them as a stepping stone and going back up and moving forward stronger than you entered into that process or whatever challenge it is. Um, having said that, I found it challenging like most parents to see your child fall, <laughs> you know. Um, mm-hmm. you use your experience to tell them, try this and that. At the end of the day, it's their life and they make their own decisions. Uh, you cry on the side, but you wait for them to get up. Uh, mm-hmm. One of the most humbling things is when I came back from Everest and my son wrote, the song, I think you saw it in the book, where he says that, uh, you know, when I was chatting to him, that whether people may see you as success today, but they don't know how much you put through. And he said to me, you've shown me that life is not is not given to you. You work at it and until you get it right. And for me, that was humbling. You know, I didn't mm. have to climb a mountain to hear that from him, but mm. it just made it all worth it. And oh, I pray wow. that one day, whether it's when I'm here or when I'm gone, he clings onto that when things get difficult as they may, we, <laughs> they may be in the future. Yeah. yeah. What, what a gem. I mean, to hear one's child say that, you know, to watch you closely and to walk away and uh, extract that from seeing your mother achieve that is sure certainly makes it all worthwhile and how gratifying to experience something like that, Sarah. We are, sorry, we're going to take a break. And after the break, we're going to start talking about your curiosity because you said how curious you are around climbing mountains. What is it with you and climbing mountains? A quick break. We'll be back. High FM, 101.9 megahertz of life. Welcome back. I have uh, Sara Kumalo on the show today. Sara is the first black African woman to summit 
Everest. She has just written the book, My Journey to the Top of the World and the Life Lessons I Learned Along the Way. And uh, President Cyril Ramaphosa tweeted, Sarah reminds us that through courage and perseverance, we can achieve our highest ambitions for the greater good of humanity. And really, that is what Sarah does, because she really does climb for a purpose. Um, there's a lot of self-purpose, but lots of giving, and certainly very passionate about education and educating others. So we'll get to that. But just before the break, I said, Sarah, what's with you and climbing? <laughs> I think I started climbing, although I didn't realize it then, at my grandparents' house. There used to be what then I thought was a mountain. I think it's a molehill. When, when I, <laughs> well, now you definitely do. You know what I'm saying? After Everest, everything is a molehill. <laughs> so I would go up there and sit for hours looking at the roof, our roof, the roof of neighbors, and into the horizon and always wonder what is out there. But never did I imagine that I'll, I'll climb one day. Uh, it's only uh, in 96 when I was visiting the U.S. and somebody talked about climbing Kilimanjaro that I thought maybe that's something I should do as an African. I shouldn't be hearing an American telling me about climbing the highest peak in Africa. Yeah. And I started looking into that. It became something on my bucket list. And 10 years later uh, or 12 years later, I found myself on uh, on Kili. Um, but doing it for Kids Heaven, which is a charity that we were supporting at, at, at that point. After that climb, which was really going to be a once-off bucket list tick, something shifted because we used it to raise money for the home. We built an outdoor gym, converted a room into a library. And one of the kids at the home said to me, people like us don't do things like this. Do you really come from the township? Mm. Nikki, that shifted sure. because... A, I could relate to that. Initially, I thought it was a joke. Do black people kind of swim? That I kind of laughed off until I realized she was serious mm. because she saw children that exchange students that come from Europe to the home, people that actually would be able to do something like that, not, not her. And, and I made a commitment to myself that I'm going to climb the seven highest peaks around the world, you know, and use it to raise money for education because the difference, what I think the one gift that my mother gave to me was education. It's opened many doors for me, and I think it can change the narrative for the next generation. And hence, uh, me and climbing have become partners, apart from the fact that I enjoy it. It's, um, it, it's a place that humbles you. You, you go on Everest and uh, you see how much egos and testosterone and, and energy, everybody thinks they belong on top of the world. It's them and nothing else. But the mountain just humbles everybody. The weather can shift. Uh, your body just doesn't acclimatize. And we realize how much of a speck we are in the bigger scheme of things. <laughs> Yeah, isn't that so true? Isn't that so true? Sorry to, so to have this purpose to be driven by this, you know, this kind of, you know, you're responsible, as you say, meeting this child who said, you know, is it possible? How does someone from the township do something like this? And your passion for raising funds and for bringing education to all. Um, as you've said, you know, um, education is the great equalizer. And so when you're walking, it's this inner drive. And I suppose it's all those people sitting on your shoulders. Do you find that that sometimes that puts too much pressure on you? Have you ever felt that? It, it doesn't. It, 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 um, 
it gives me a reason to take that next step. Uh-huh. Uh, okay. Not necessarily pressure um, okay. to do anything that is risky. One of the one of the things that climbing, especially after 2014, when the shepherds died, and I came home and my boys, it was now real. It, this was not reading in 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 a, in a book or a documentary that people die on Everest. I had just come from seeing people die on Everest, and it could have been me because mm. a lot of those shepherds were a lot more experienced than I was. It's it's promising them that I'm not going to do anything that jeopardizes my life. I'm going to take life-preserving steps. So that keeps me in check. But being able to realize that there's a child out there that will have a glimpse of a better life, perhaps, I'm hoping, because I've taken that next step, gives me the excitement to learn more on how I can take that step and come back and actually, um, you know, um, you know, change somebody's life in a small way. Mm. So I think we need to tell our listeners that, you know, you didn't just climb Everest and that was that summit Everest. I mean, you had three attempts before you actually summited. That means you kind of, you had to train, you had to raise money, you had to get, all the equipment you had to fly over because it is a process. I mean, you go through step by step where you go and what you have to do. And you did that three times before it was on the fourth attempt that you summited Everest. What kept you going? Yeah. I think understanding why I was doing it kept me going. The the learnings from all the challenges. So 2014, when the shepherds died, one of the things that I picked up is, Everyone that did a lot of cardio, the runners, the cyclists, were having a better time in the mountain than I was, you know, as a mm-hmm. gym freak. And and I started running. I started climbing. Then I got excited to say, when I go back, I'll do better. Let me test it. Um, then I went back and and uh, the earthquake happened, which killed over 9,000 people in Nepal. And I came back. And, and I must say, throughout that process, you come back and a, a, a small group of people that believed you could do it, kind of pull back. They're like, hmm, this is dangerous, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and and the second people that actually support you become smaller and smaller. It becomes a lot more difficult to convince people that this project is worth it. Never mind people that look at you and say, but no one like you has done this. What makes you think you can do it? Yeah. Um, and, you know, who's the man that's taking you? Uh, yeah. it's, <laughs> it's just ridiculous because it started with, I want to use it to raise money for education it also became about representation because mm-hmm. I became tired of being seeing people on the trail that assume I'm going to base, every space camp. There is no way I could be going to the summit. Why? Mm-hmm. Why not give me the same benefit of the doubt that you give everybody else that you see on the trail? So I think representation became key for me as well. Uh, hence going back and back, um, you know, and, and in 2017, when I, I woke up frostbitten at, at camp four, I, I gave up inside because yeah. <laughs> I went there with three times lucky. Um, and I lost consciousness in the death zone and I woke up, no gloves, frostbitten. Um, and I looked up, uh, you know, at Everest so close and yet so far. At that point, although I had given up, I didn't tell anybody. I just came home, stopped asking for funding, stopped bothering anyone. But I continued training uh, and trying to find other ways to still make a difference um, and, and raise money for education. 
2019, my young boy, he was, I think, 15 then. He just came and said to me, mom, when are you going back? That's all you needed. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> he knew. He knew. Oh, sorry. Another break. Another break. We're going to be back. Um, we could just carry on really chatting for hours and hours. Um, we'll be back. Sorry. Please don't go anywhere. Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. This is the DL Link show where we connect you through insights, information, and illumination. I'm Nikki Seberini, and I have the wonderful Sara Kumalo on the show today. She's just written, My journey to the top of the world and the life lessons I learned along the way. Sara in 2019 was the first African, black African woman to summit Everest. Um, and Sara has written this book with all of her stories. And I mean, we haven't even discussed a, a certain bicycle ride where Sara was in a coma, uh, an, an accident that she had, and uh, she was disfigured. And uh, that kind of pushed her even further to continue with her quest to summit Everest. Um, on her third attempt, you just heard what she said in the death zone, unconscious, um, frostbitten. She lost the tips of uh, a couple of her fingers, and yet that didn't deter her. She kept going back. Um, until eventually in 2019, she summited um, Everest. And what an extraordinary thing to do on so many levels, as Sarah has been explaining to us. So, Sarah, you decided to pin the experience to to write down um, yeah, your story and uh, also to inspire people. So, so tell us a little bit about, you know, what what was the driving force behind writing the book? It started with me just telling my story, people inviting me to say, tell us what's the process, um, how do you go back? And I realized that uh, what I thought was normal, like, you know, you fail, you figure out, you keep going, is not so obvious to everybody. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's uh, it's also encouraging people to say, okay, that thing that I've given up on, maybe I should just go for it as well. And I just thought maybe let me put it down um, uh, for me, first of all, so that I can always remember um, to honor and, and, and pay tribute to people that supported me. Because throughout the journey, Nikki, what you discover is, yes, I'm ambitious. Yes, I'm a go-getter. Yes, I can do this. But the mountain teaches you that nobody gets to the top alone. You know, mm-hmm. it's also to say thank you to some of those people that, um, you know, held my hand when I needed it and, and were there when I needed them to make it possible. But more importantly, it's for that African girl that's the me in a few, many years ago that wants to see themselves on top of the world, just to remind them that it is possible to remind that mother that's sitting there and say, me and I've got children, I can't do this. I'm a corporate, I can't do this. We don't have to be one thing. We can be many things. And we are uniquely extraordinary. You know, um, when I started, I used to say, I'm just an ordinary African woman trying to reach extraordinary heights. I've since mm. changed that. I am uniquely extraordinary and being ordinary is a choice. And so is everybody. We are uniquely extraordinary. We were made for this time and we can make history irrespective of where we are, what's happening to us, what the world has said about us. Um, it's not happening to us. It's happening for us so that we can be better and optimal. Oh. 
Sarah, hugely inspiring. What a beautiful, beautiful message. And please, God, your message will be heard by so many all over the world. You know, very much here in South Africa, it is so needed. But what words? It's not happening to us. It's all happening for us. And that we are all uniquely extraordinary, as are you, Sarah. And thank you so much for joining us, for writing the book, for being the first female Black African woman, or I've already said female, to summit Everest. Oh, you know, I'd salute you and just respect you and um, really just thank you for joining us. It's really been a pleasure having you on the show today. Thank you. It's an honor and people can find the book at Exclusive Books and all the major stores. And thank you for the support and for telling my story. I appreciate you. Beautiful, Sarah. Thank you so much. Oh, Sarah Kumalo, my journey to the top of the world and the life lessons I learned along the way. As Sarah said, all good bookstores. She mentioned exclusive books and just incredible. Um, and don't you just love that? We are all uniquely extraordinary just hold on to that hold on to that and and live up to that really oh gosh I love these shows I love having all these extraordinary uniquely extraordinary people on the show week in and week out and I love that you get to witness this with me um have a wonderful week from me Nikki Seberini until next week do take care and goodbye